like those of you who are sitting here have just heard me say since we're now starting our recording, uh, we're going to take a break from First Peter just for this one time. We'll kick back in on January 10th uh, as we kick back in on our study of First Peter. But for tonight, I want to take a look at a study beginning in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. We're going to take a look at the birth of Jesus and the angels appearing to the shepherds. And we're going to take a look at the fact that I'm going to present to you my... my My uh, proposition, if you will, that I believe we're going to take the time to prove scripturally, that these shepherds that the angels appeared to in Luke 2 were not just any ordinary group of shepherds, but that these were the shepherds whose responsibility was guarding the temple flock. These shepherds were responsible for taking care of the specific set of lambs that were being set aside for the purpose of the sacrifices in the temple, Because the ones who were to be offered in the temple were to be special, they were to be holy, they were to be without blemish. And as you will see from scripture, and as you'll see from study of Jewish history, and from rabbinical teachings of the day, I believe, and the scripture I believe teaches, that the angels did not appear just to a group of shepherds, but to the very shepherds who were guarding the temple flock. And when they announced the birth of the Savior... If you'll see, as we'll get there in just a little bit, they were not guided by a star. They were not told where in Bethlehem. They were just told that you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And I will show you from our scriptural study tonight that I believe without question, and I want you to wrestle with everything I'm going to talk to you about tonight, that I believe that the shepherds knew exactly where this manger was because it was theirs. And it was the one place where their special lambs for sacrifice in the temple were born. And there is a special place where they were born. And the Bible has talked about it all along and we've missed it. And this came from a presentation from a president of Dallas Theological Seminary when I was in Dallas a few weeks ago. And he gave a a devotional on this topic. And Mark Bailey, the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, presented this information. And it made me say, I want to find out if this is true. And in doing so, I can't wait to share it with you. So let's take a look at what this says. And if this is true, as you will see, it makes the birth of Jesus make even a ton more sense. Why he was born and laid in a manger and in what we call a stable. Uh, It may cause you to change some of your nativity sets, though, because I'm going to show you I don't think there were any cattle laying around. So, all right. In Luke chapter 2, look at verses 8 and following. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
Now, we're going to take some time to break this passage down, and I'm going to pull some things out of here that you might not have even really kind of thought more about, because we just tend to read it a lot, and, and uh, we've even heard Linus read it to us, and I think it's one of the most amazing passages is when Linus and Charlie Brown reads this passage. I think it's great that it's played a lot of times uh, on TV. But look closely. Uh, it says in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields. My translation says nearby. Uh, your, some say what? Nearby. What, what others say? In that region. Alright. In the same country. Some of your translations say same country. Now when we hear same country, a lot of times we think, well, somewhere in Israel. No. Actually, the, what's translated same country there is more of the term in the vicinity. In that area. Alright. Nearby is a good way to translate it as well. That's what it's talking about. So they're nearby, but they're nearby what? I'm going to show you they are nearby where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It wasn't a far traveling journey for them to go from where they were in the field to where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So keep that in mind. The shepherds were in the vicinity. That's important. Now, put a bookmark here in Luke, and I want you to go back with me to Genesis chapter 35. And we're going to look at verses 19 and following. In Genesis chapter 35 and verse 19, it says, So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Okay? Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. Now this is important. This term here, Migdal Eder, is the place that I'm going to show you where Jesus was born. Alright? Look closely again. He was on his way to Bethlehem, in the area of Bethlehem, when Rachel dies. She was buried, and then he just went a little bit further, and he went to this place called Migdal Eder. In the Hebrew, Migdal Eder means Tower of the Flock. Now, and I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that's going to illustrate this, but actually, back in those days, they would build watchtowers to have someone go up in, if you will, and look around and keep an eye out for invading armies, and they would announce the announce of the, of the armies and stuff. But they would also build watchtowers out in the fields to guard the flocks that they would have, because their herds were their livelihood and their money-making place, if, or, or way, if you will. And so they would build watchtowers to guard the flocks. Let me give you an example of that. Alright, go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. It says, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. So you see here, the scripture shows us that they would build towers, watchtowers. They would build them in the city, in the corner of the city, if you will, or on this gate or at that gate. What was the purpose for building the watchtowers in the city? For safety, keep an eye out for the bad guys coming. But they also built watchtowers 
in the fields. Why would they do that? They would give a place so a person could get up above, look around, keep an eye out for invading animals, if you will, or invading armies that would come and take their herds. Now go back here in Genesis chapter 35, and you see in verse 21, Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. Now if some of you have study Bibles with you, you'll see that your study Bibles say that Migdal Eder means what? Tower of the flock. Keep that in mind. Migdal Eder says tower of the flock. Now... I'm going to present to you, and I think I can show it to you from Scripture. I'm going to present to you that these shepherds that were in the fields nearby, in the vicinity of Bethlehem, were the shepherds who were guarding the flock. That was the temple flock. And the area where they would guard them from was the tower of the flock, also known as what? Migdal Eder. Alright? Go with me to Micah chapter 4 and look at verse 8. Now many of us know about Micah chapter 5 verse 2, which is the prophecy that's quoted in the New Testament about how the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And it talks about how you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, we saw that that's another name that it had. Out of you, even though you're least among the clans of Judah, out of you will come a ruler for my people Israel. But there's another prophecy in Micah chapter 4 verse 8 that a lot of people have missed. And I want you to see it. Look what it says in verse 8. As for you, O watchtower of the flock. By the way, some translations actually write Migdal Eater. O stronghold of the daughter of Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why is the prophet saying here, O you, Migdal Eater, watchtower of the flock, the kingship's going to come to you. Except the possibility that actually that same place where they guarded the sheep, and let me, I'll explain this to you and I'll show you some things from, from rabbinical writings. The same place where these shepherds would watch their flock, the special flock outside in the area of Bethlehem, was the same place that Jesus was born. And I'm going to show you how I can prove this in just a second. But I want you to keep in mind this tower had a couple compartments. The upper part is where they'd watch from, the lower part, which would be kind of like a cave almost was where these shepherds would bring these special lambs to give birth. Now, there's a couple things you need to understand, and I'm going to read them to you in a second. They would watch the flocks 24 hours a day out in the field. But when it was time for the ewe lambs to give birth, they would take them back into the protection of the watchtower, if you will, the tower of the flock, Migdal Eater, and they would give birth to them there. It was a very clean environment. It was a very ceremonially clean environment. And there's some very interesting things that these shepherds would do that was different than most shepherds because of the specialness of this flock. Let me read to you here from uh, someone's study. It says, This watchtower from ancient times was used by the shepherds for protection from their enemies and wild beasts. It was the place ewes were brought to give birth to the lambs. In this sheltered building slash cave, the priests would bring the ewes which were were about to lamb for protection. These special lambs came from a unique flock which were designated for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. According to Edersheim, in the life and times of Jesus the Messiah, in book 2, chapter 6, he says this, This Migdal Eater was not the watchtower for the ordinary flocks that pastured on the barren sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but it lay close to the town and on the road to Jerusalem. Alright, so here's a man in his life and times of Jesus who says that this watchtower was for the special flock. 
It also says it was close. Now, we've got to keep in mind, one of the things that people have to wrestle with is, if you were to look on a map now and find where Migdal Eder was, you'll find that it's a mile north of Bethlehem, just outside of Bethlehem, and four miles from Jerusalem. And people will say, wait a minute, that means that isn't where he was born, because he was born in Bethlehem, not a mile north of Bethlehem. But you've got to keep in mind, the d- dimensions that we have now, if you will, or the boundaries of Bethlehem now, are not what they were back then. If you did a full study to find out where the boundaries of Bethlehem were back then, Migdal Eder would have been inside of Bethlehem. The reason we say now it's just outside of Bethlehem is because at this point it's outside of where Bethlehem's boundaries are. But at the time of Jesus' birth, that area was inside of Bethlehem. All right? But now there's some more, though. A passage from the Mishnah, now for those who don't know what the Mishnah is, it's okay. The Mishnah is an oral tradition of the rabbis' commentary on the Hebrew scriptures that was written down. Okay, let me, let me put it to you this way. It was a commentary. You know how a lot of times we'll have commentaries on the scriptures. Uh, uh, what's his name? I uh, can't remember his name all of a sudden out there. John MacArthur has written commentaries on almost every book of the Bible. What he does is he takes the scriptures and he gives commentary and teaches on it. The Mishnah was the rabbinical teaching on the Old Testament scriptures, the oral tradition, their commentary on how they interpreted it and their teaching on it. It was written written down and recorded, and it was called the Mishnah. Alright? So in the Mishnah, remember this is from the rabbis. Doesn't mean they believed in Jesus the Messiah, but this is the rabbis. In the Mishnah, which is called Shekelim chapter 7 verse 4, it leads to the conclusion that the flocks which pastured there were destined for temple sacrifices. So even in the rabbinical teaching, in what's recorded of their writing about Migdal Eder, even the rabbis taught that that flock of the watchtower of the flock was the special group. So when we say this, we're not just making something up that sounds really cool. This was a special group of shepherds that the angels appeared to. They were guarding the temple flock. Also, in addition, Migdal Eder is also mentioned in the Targums. Now, the Targums are Aramaic translations of the Hebrew Scriptures. Remember, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and then it was translated into other languages, even ours. But the Aramaic translation is called the Targums. In the Aramaic uh, translation, it is trans- Migdal Eder is translated the Anointed One of the Flock of Israel. Thus, Targum Yonatan, cited by Rabbi Monk, paraphrases Genesis 35 and Micah 4.8, and this is how he puts the two together. It says, He spread his tent beyond Migdal Eder, the place where King Messiah will reveal himself at the end of days. Now again, these are people that didn't understand that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. They just knew that the prophecy said that the same Migdal Eder where Jacob buried Leah in that same area, not Leah, Rachel in that same area, that same Migdal Eder, watchtower of the flock, was where Micah 4.8 said that the king was going to be revealed, the Messiah was going to be revealed. So all along, this has been there, saying that this Migdal Eder is where the Messiah would be revealed. But it gets better. What are we to make, this guy says, of all this information from the writings of the rabbis? First, we know that Migdal Eder was the watchtower that guarded the temple flocks that were being raised to serve as sacrificial animals in the temple. These were not just any flock and herd. The shepherds who kept them were men who were specifically trained for this royal task. They were educated in what an animal that was to be sacrificed had to be, and it was their job to make sure that none of the animals were hurt, damaged, or blemished. These lambs were apparently wrapped in swaddling clothes 
to protect them from injury and also, as we know, to wrap the Lord Jesus. Let me explain to you. Back then, as you know, if you're a shepherd and an animal gives birth, not trying to be gross, but it falls on the ground, plops out and falls on the ground, correct? Well, these were special lambs and they weren't to be blemished or hurt or damaged. They were to be kept clean. So what these sheep shepherds would do was they would take them when it was time for them to give birth back to their watchtower of the flock in the bottom of it where it was clean and where their ewe lambs would give birth. But before the lamb would come out and hit the ground, they would quickly wrap it in cloths and lay it in a manger to protect it until it got strong enough. Remember what the angels were told the shepherds? This will be a sign to you. You're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Folks, think of how many mangers there were in Bethlehem at that time. Think of how many animals, how many people were in because of the census. There was no room in the inn for Mary and Joseph. There was lots of animals, lots of feed troughs. These guys weren't guided by a star. But the angel said, this will be a sign to you. You're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. They knew exactly where that was. That was their spot where their lambs gave birth. And it was Migdal Eater. And they hurried quickly to where they knew he would be. And they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph just like, and the baby Jesus, just like the angels had said. Alright? Thus, with the establishment of temple worship in Jerusalem, the fields outside of Bethlehem became the place where a special group of shepherds raised lambs that were sacrificed in the temple. Being themselves under special rabbinical care, they would strictly maintain a ceremonially clean stable for a birthing place. The tower of the flock was used for birthing ewes and surrounding fields where the shepherds grazed their flocks. These shepherds customarily kept their flocks outdoors 24 hours a day, like I said, every year, but brought the ewes in to deliver their lambs where they could be carefully cared for. It was this place that Joseph took Mary. It was in the special stable at Migdal Eder that Christ was born. How do we know this? Because of the prophecy in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. O you, watchtower of the flock, the king's going to come to you. Now, I'm going to go a little bit further now, and then we're going to talk about some stuff, and I'm going to take you through some scriptures. I'm sorry? How do you know it was that particular tower again? Because of Migdal Eater, which means watchtower of the flock, and that's we see that it's in the vicinity right there at Bethlehem. We saw it in Genesis 35. But also because Micah chapter 4, verse 8 says, O you, watchtower of the flock, to you the king's going to come. And again, from also John, but not just that. Also, from, remember I told you, I read from the Mishnah and the Targum, which is Jewish writings, that the temple flock guard were kept at Migdal Eder, which is that place there, Tower of the Flock. And all of them recorded, even the rabbinical teachings, and they didn't believe in Jesus the Messiah, that that's where the Messiah was going to show up. Even there's only one. There's a lot of towers. There's only one Migdal Eder. Now, if you were to try to find Migdal Eder, you won't. It's been destroyed. You know, and uh, there are some people that say, well, is the place where we have in Bethlehem, if you were to go over to Israel now, and they have a place where they believe Jesus was born, it's a cave and all, there's a chance that might be where Migdal Eder was. We don't know. But from archaeological study and whatever, it's close to that. It may be the one we don't know, and to be honest with you, it doesn't matter. The issue is this. The place where the ewe lambs for the temple sacrifice were born, and I'm going to get to you why that's important, so stick with me. We haven't gotten all there yet. There's more to it than that. But the place where they were born is where most likely Jesus was born. Yes, sir. Bill, go ahead. Micah doesn't say Migdal Eater. 
It, actually, Watchtower of the Flock in the Hebrew is, is Migdal Eater. Remember how it says Watchtower of the Flock? It says Tower. Tower of the Right. Well, tower, that is Migdal Eater. If you had the Hebrew in front of you, it would say Migdal Eater. She was in that area, not at that same place. It was, as you saw, he buried her, and then he moved on further to the Tower of the Flock, and and, and he, and he shepherded his sheep there. All right, yes, ma'am. I don't know if Mary and Joseph would have known. I don't know if they would have known it, but I know that the, there's a chance that these shepherds might have known it, because if they knew the scriptures and they had known Micah four eight, they knew it was talking about their tower. You know. So whether Mary and Joseph knew about it, I don't know. The scripture just says there was no room at the inn. So chances are they might have looked for a place at an inn first. But because there was no room, they ended up... We've just assumed that since they knocked on the door of the inn and there wasn't any room, that they just went... The guy said, well, there's room in the back. You know, come on back here. Does anybody know where we got that? Probably from church musicals. I mean, let's be honest. It's from probably church musicals where it made sense and the story was perpetrated. And, you know, he, he was no room in the inn, so they, he was born in the stable out back. Folks, and I've got to be honest with you. For years, that's what I thought. For years as a pastor, I've preached for over 20-something years. I have, I've talked about this passage and why would the angels announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds? And I said, well, it was probably because he cared about the lowly and the shepherds were considered dirty and the least of them. And Jesus cares about the least. And it sounds real good and preaches real good. But now I've come to realize, oh, there's another reason why he came to these shepherds. These weren't just any ordinary shepherds. In a sense, the angels, I'll get right to you, Allison, the angels came and said, you guys are out of a job. Think about it. You have been guarding the lambs for the sacrifice. He's been born. The last one has been born. It's pretty cool. Oh, but it gets better. There's more. Allison, go ahead. Mary and Joseph may not have known, but the Pharisees certainly did. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Mary and Joseph might not have known. The Pharisees definitely, if they knew the Scriptures, they knew where it said. Now, let me say this as well. What I'm about to share with you is speculation. It's something Mark Bailey brought out in his devotional. I think he might be right. I haven't found biblical or rabbinical evidence for this yet. Alright? So what I'm about to share with you is something that someone I respect shared from his study. I haven't found it yet, but it doesn't mean it's not there. But the president from Dallas shared that when a woman would go on a long journey, she would wrap herself under her garments with burial cloths for this reason. Women back in that day, especially Jewish women, were very considerate and cautious about their modesty. They knew they were going to be gone and away from home for a long time, and they may die while they're on the trip. When a Jewish woman was died, who died, they had to prepare their body almost immediately. That meant somebody had to wrap her naked body, and she did not want to be seen by someone who didn't know her. And so Jewish women of that day, to keep themselves from having someone see them in an inappropriate way, would pre-wrap their bodies for burial underneath their clothing, so that when they journeyed, if they died on the journey, they were already wrapped. Wow. That might be where we get, you better, if you go on a trip, make sure you have clean underwear. I don't know. But, but, but at the same time, think about this, folks. If that is the case, 
there is a strong chance that what Mary took off in giving birth to Jesus and wrapped her son in was her burial cloth. Was her burial cloth. Again, we don't know this. Don't go off and say that's how it happened. Someone I respect has done study and he said that most likely that was the case. I haven't gotten there yet. But if that is the case, that's a further evidence of... Folks, as you're about to see as we take a look at this, every detail is under God's control. You do hopefully understand that the whole time that Jesus was being beaten and mocked and stripped and paraded through the streets, He was in control of everything to the last detail, to the last minute, to the last time when He was nailed to the cross, to the time that He gave up His Spirit. Everything happened at just the right time and exactly in the right way. And why have we just thought that He was just haphazardly born in some stable behind an inn because there wasn't room. Oh, let's just end up here. I've come to realize our God's way bigger than that, folks. And I want you to pray about this. I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to go. You can just Google Migdal Eater. M-I-G-D-A-L and then space E-D-A-R and you will find many people writing about this. It's starting to come to light. God didn't just haphazardly get born in some stable because there was no room in an inn. There's a very strong chance from Scripture that he was born in the exact same place that the temple lambs were born, and he fulfilled it to the full detail. Yes. Wouldn't they have had the cloth that Jesus? There's a chance, a chance that the cloth that they used for the ewe lambs could have been what they used as well. But it's interesting. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Enough said. We know where that is. We're the only ones that do this. And they ran back to their stable. Yes, sir. Ma'am, ma'am, Allison. It explains why Mary was pondering in her heart a lot more. Yes, and the fact... All that matched up, she knew. And the fact that if you look back in Luke, that the shepherds explained to them all that they had been told. See, if, if it was just, hey, we saw a baby born in a stable. Uh-uh. There's a lot more to tell now, isn't there? You want to say something? Uh, I, I thought it through while you were talking about Jim, why or how could the shepherds, you know, why could they use the, the cloth that was wrapped around the little baby lamb mm-hmm. to wrap Jesus when they were told they would find him already? Well, no, no, the shepherds wouldn't have been the ones who wrapped him. It would have been Mary and Joseph. What she was saying is that cloth might have already been there. The same cloth they used for the lambs. They might have grabbed, you know, it might have been in a, in, a, in a Tupperware or something sitting there, you know, kind of thing. You do hope, hopefully understand there wasn't a Tupperware, right? So, Alan, go ahead. When you started off, when you I'll be honest with you, I'm reading from the NIV, and the NIV is not your best for doing that kind of a study, because the NIV tends to do a little bit more of a thought-for-thought translation. So whether or not Luke says the definite article or not in NIV, I don't know, but it wouldn't be an interesting thing to find out. Uh, What do you all that have different translations besides the NIV have? A manger. It doesn't say the, it just says a. Verse 12 is that? Yeah, mine says an A major. I'm sorry? What translation do you want? Honestly, it, 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 the NAS would have been fine and all that. So there I, that's, have been multiple majors in case they had used lambing at the same time. 
Swaddling clothes. What swaddling clothes is a very interesting added little tidbit because the other shepherds weren't doing that. So the Holy Spirit led Joseph to this. I'm a, definitely the Holy Spirit did. How he did it, I don't know. Because it's obvious that there wasn't room in the inn, so it appears he must have tried a regular human place to, to give birth. But somehow, some way, in that area, and remember, back at that time, right now, Migdal Eater's a mile outside of Bethlehem. But at that time, Bethlehem was bigger, and it was in Bethlehem. And so it fulfilled the prophecy in Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But at the same time, that interesting little phrase there in Micah 4 8, O you watchtower of the flock, Migdal Eater, which is the same place we see in Genesis 35. And it's no accident that they tell us that there in Bethlehem was Migdal Eater, and that's where Jacob tended his flock. Uh, again, I don't know this. This is just an interesting little thought, and then I'll get to something else that I want to get to. What if David's family was some of these temple shepherds? Again, I don't know. This is pure speculation here. But remember, David watched the flock for his father Jesse there in Bethlehem. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been the same shepherds that the angels appeared to. But I'm just talking about the fact that if those shepherds kept their flocks in that same area at the Tower of the Flock, Migdal Eater in Bethlehem, there's a chance, there's a chance that David might have been one of those shepherds. We don't know. Again, be careful. Don't start writing a new Christmas musical. All right? Oh, and by the way, I don't want you to go and tear up your Christmas, you know, nativity scenes now and say, get this cow out of here. And, you know, that donkey shouldn't be. No, hey, relax. Relax. All right. But if they do start singing away in a manger, the cattle are lowing, just mumble during that part. Okay. All right. Go to John chapter one. Go to John chapter one. I want to walk you through something here in the New Testament that I think will nail this thing shut. Go to John chapter one. Look at verse 29. It says, The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now we know this passage, right? But here again, Jesus is described as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is right in the area where we've left off. In our study, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Once again, He's described, not only as the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, He's described as the Lamb without blemish or defect. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5, verses, just verse 7.
as he's dealing with sin, he makes this comment. He says, get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Again, Jesus is described in this manner as the Passover lamb. We go, go to the book of Revelation. Let's look at how he's described here at the end. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. It says, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had its harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. All the way through scripture, folks, Jesus is portrayed in this type as the lamb. Why would he not begin in that same way. Do you not see it? Why would He all of a sudden start later on to be pictured as that sacrificial lamb? If it's all the way through that He would be this lamb, why would He not be born in that exact same place where they were born? If He was crucified at the exact same day, on the exact same hour that they were crucified or put to death, if He were to fulfill it to the every detail, all the way to the end, that He's still seen as the Lamb in the book of Revelation, why would He not be born there in the exact same places that they were born? O oh, you, watchtower of the flock, Migdal Eater, the Messiah is coming to you. They thought that it meant that when He returned, He was going to be there. He came and they missed it. But folks, Jesus didn't haphazardly end up in some stable behind some inn, in some dirty place. God orchestrated His birth right to the very detail and I believe without question he was born at Migdal Eater at the base of the watchtower of the flock. And he was laid in the manger after he had been wrapped in swaddling clothes just like the ewe lambs gave birth to their babies and they were laid in swaddling clothes and laid in that manger. And this will be a sign to you shepherds because you're not just any shepherds. You're the guys guarding the temple flock. You're there in the vicinity of Bethlehem. The Mishnah and the Targum said the same thing. They knew who those shepherds were. This will be a sign unto you, special shepherds. The Messiah, Christ, 
has been born. And here's where you're going to find him. You're not going to follow a star. We're going to lead the wise men that way. You don't need to be told what the address is. There's a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And those guys knew exactly where it was. That's why they hurried. That guy's in our manger. Folks, isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And you know what? If some guy had said that, I would have thought he was a quack. Because I mean, we've seen everything. We, there ain't anything new here. Actually, praise God for the fact that he used the president of Dallas Theological to present this. To the fact that I would listen and wrestle with it. And I've been wrestling with it now since a couple Tuesdays ago. Or last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. It's been a week. And you know what? I think he's right. That makes me want to celebrate even more this Christmas. Oh, and by the way, if God can control every little detail even to that degree, don't you think He's got us now? I want to wrap up with Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and Micah 4, verse 8. Go back to Micah. Look at chapter 4, verse 8, and 5, verse 2. In these passages, you're also going to see that not only did it talk about His birth... It talked about His second coming. And I want you to hang on as we leave here tonight with the fact that He's got His second coming orchestrated to the nth detail just as much as He did His first coming. There it says in chapter 4, verse 8, As for you, O watchtower of the flock, Migdal Eder, O stronghold of the daughter of Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to the daughter of Jerusalem. I think there's a dual prophecy here, folks. It's not just the fact that he would be born there, but his dominion is going to be restored to Israel and Bethlehem and the area of Judah. Go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. You'll see it even more clearly. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be what? Ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. You hear an end time prophecy here, folks. He, the Messiah, will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Folks, as you've just seen, God orchestrated Jesus' first coming right to the detail of specifically even where He was going to be born, not only when. But in that same prophecy that we love to quote from in Micah 5, 2, that talks about how the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, in that same prophecy, it also talks about His second coming, because He's not been ruler over Israel yet. They rejected Him as their king, but He's coming back, and they're going to look on Him whom they've pierced, and He will become ruler over Israel, and His greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. Guess what? That's going to happen just as surely as His first coming. So take heart. Be encouraged. Yes, ma'am. Um, even this back, when you were talking about God designing every second when Jesus not that has to be blended, you said something about slain, that Jesus was slain on the day that lands. Yes. Slain. I, don't, I don't know about that. 
Well, that's the well, and, and for, this, for real quick, because we're going to stop our recording. Uh, for real quick, it, the Passover was the time when the lambs were to be sacrificed and all, but they were actually um, they were put on the altar at nine in the morning and they were killed at three in the afternoon. The Bible says that Jesus was nailed to the cross at nine in the morning, and at three in the afternoon is when he gave up his spirit to the minute. So you know where Jesus was born now. And it wasn't behind a stable, or wasn't behind an inn in a stable. It was in it was in a in a manger. It was in a place that could be considered a stall, but it was a special one. And this place is marked on a map. Um, if you if, go to the go to uh, it's about a mile north of Bethlehem, four miles south of Jerusalem, in today's measurements. At that time it was within the boundaries of Bethlehem. And just Google Migdal Heater, you'll have a blast. You'll have a blast. M-I-G-D-A-L space E-D-A-R. 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 <laughs> you know what, Rita? I've wondered the same thing. Is there this much good stuff about the three wise men? I'll, I'm sure I haven't seen it yet, but I'll let you know as soon as I do. Let me pray for us, folks, and then we'll start our recording and we can talk. Stop our recording and we can talk. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for uh, how exciting this is. To just sit here tonight and a group of people who love your word and have studied it for years. To sit there like myself and say, wow, this, this is exciting. This is, uh, this is stuff I haven't seen. And Lord, may we understand that you're the one who opens eyes. It wasn't because we've been bad students or, or, or terrible studiers. Lord, we, you're not beating us up tonight. Lord, you're for a reason opening our eyes to this at this time. And you have a reason. Father, we pray for the Jewish nation. Lord, we pray that their eyes will be opened. That, uh, Lord, as I read today, that Netanyahu is uh, starting a Bible study in his home. Father, thank you for that. That his cabinet and, and other ministers are being invited. Lord, uh, we pray he comes to know you. But Lord, the fact that they're even wanting to study the scriptures means you're doing something. And the nation of Israel may be beginning to respond. Lord, that excites me. Because you've shown us in your word that Israel has received a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Oh, and so Lord... I want the nation of Israel to turn to you. Because that means our time here is bringing to a close and you're going to take us and you're going to finish what you promised and what you started. But Lord, may we be encouraged by the fact that you have orchestrated Jesus' coming right on down to the place and the time and the minute and the hour. Lord, may we be encouraged that you've got your second coming in the same way. May we not fall into the fear of worrying, when's it going to happen? Why hasn't it happened yet? Lord, may we believe that at just the right time, as it says in Galatians chapter 4, you were born. And that when you come back, it will be just the right time. May we trust you in that. In your name we pray. Amen.